Hi, church. Good to see you here. I want to welcome all of our campuses in right now. Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, uh, Lone Tree, obviously our Lakewood campus, and then those who watch online. We want to welcome all of you in, and in particular our visitors too. We're glad that you're here this weekend, weekend after Christmas. few thoughts. I hope your Christmas was absolutely wonderful. We had a great Christmas. Uh, I guess here's the first time that someone's going to say this to you. hope it doesn't shock you. 363 days left until Christmas 2016 will be upon us. We look forward to what God has for that. Uh, hey, this weekend, I'm going to go a little bit in a different direction. Uh, it's not our typical uh, beginning of a series. We'll start that next week. By the way, you're going to love our new series. Uh, it's a series that I think you'll get a lot out of. It deals with all ages inside of our church. Uh, I think that uh, it will be one, really, that I, maybe more than anything we've preached I'm looking forward to our series that starts next weekend uh, in January, so make sure that you're here for that. I'm really excited about that. But today, uh, it's in between series, and we usually use this message once a year to talk about the direction of our church for 2016, and I'm excited about that because I want to share my heart. I want to share direction. Uh, For many of you that have been here for any length of time, you know that we have talked about how connection in our church isn't what we want it to be, and that we have been working for quite some time, more than two years, to put together something that we feel is really fantastic for you. Now, some of you may be sitting out there thinking to yourself, that's what we're going to talk about today. Give me a chance, because I think that you'll really enjoy this. I think that it's got something for everybody. If you consider this to be your church, it has something for everybody in our church, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Even beyond that, it's what the Bible says we're supposed to be doing as a church, and because of that, and because that's our mandate and our directive to make a church that Jesus is proud of, not one that we just simply are comfortable in. Connection is part of that, and we need to figure out how to do that. So in just a moment, I'll give you some direction to that. Let me begin, though, uh, by talking about um, a couple of facts. Our church will be 18 years old in just a week. Um, It was in January of 1998 that uh, doing my, my own thing as a pastor at a church in northern Colorado, an associate pastor, that God interrupted my plans and gave me a dream. Now, some of you have heard about that. Many of you haven't. Just a quick refresher. The dream went like this. And I I put in your notes, it's kind of a a, a really peculiar thing, and it was a special thing. It was very supernatural. Uh, I had been in a place where I had been searching God's heart. Uh, I had gone through a dry spell, sort of a desert experience spiritually. I don't know if you can relate to that or not. I'm sure if uh, any of you have been around for any length of time, you've probably gone through a time in your life where it was a bit of a desert. I wasn't okay with the desert. Uh, I really began to pursue God. I think sometimes that's why we go through experiences like that. It really helps us to pursue God, to lock in on why we're here, what we're doing, what it's about. And it was during that time of pursuit of God that the Lord gave me a dream. And uh, in the dream, it just went something like this. Chris and I had gone to hear this speaker. I don't know who it was. It wasn't anybody that, uh, that that wasn't the point. But the speaker in the dream was someone well-known who had this really cool anointing on their life that was able to set people free from all of the stuff that the enemy was putting on them and that the world put on them and just, just, just sin had put on them. And we wanted to go and be a part of this and see what God was doing. So we made our way. Uh, we actually got to this auditorium early. And by the time we got there, uh, we were actually, the, the, the line went just, just out for blocks and blocks. And we found ourselves towards the back of the line. I was really upset about that because we were trying to get there to see this guy's anointing. And the meeting was about to start. So I did what any uh, believer would do. I grabbed my wife's hand, put my elbow like this, and made my way real fast through the crowd and just sort of parted the Red Sea to get up. And we made our way to the front. Sat down, and right when we sat down, the guy began to teach. 
And as he taught, the only thing that was different than anything maybe we've ever done or that you've ever seen is that the guy in his right hand had a staff, not like a shepherd's crook and not like a walking stick, but like a staff, and it was beautiful. If I were to describe to you what it looked like, gold that you could see through. I I don't know any other way to say that. Something that was not of this world, but those would be the only terms that I could put it in. And actually, as he began to talk, uh, the hotter he grew in what he was saying, the more his staff began to glow. And I looked at that, and I thought to myself, that's the anointing that everybody's talking about. So I lean over to my wife, and I tell her, that's it. That's, that's why we came here. That's, that's what this is all about. It's that anointing. And just at that time, the guy, there were three steps that went down off the platform. The guy stepped down off the platform, and as he went uh, across uh, the, the, the front of the, the, the seats where Chris and I were sitting, he had the staff in his hand, and he walked right by me with the staff, And I was mesmerized. I don't even know what he was saying, but I was mesmerized by this anointing that this guy had. When he turned around, the staff is still over here in his right hand, and I couldn't see it as well. And I found myself getting up and following the guy in silhouette so I could be close to that anointing. And he walked back up to where he was teaching from, holding onto the staff. I walked in perfect silhouette, stood behind the guy while he was teaching so no one could see me. And I tried to look over so I could admire his staff. And suddenly I realized while I was doing this, the guy quit teaching. So I look up at him. He's looking back down at me like this. Then I look out at the people. They're looking at me, and I realize, "Uh uh-oh, I've interrupted this guy's message. I've made a fool of myself. I was embarrassed. So I tell the guy, I am so sorry. And I immediately tried to skulk off and get back to my seat. I'm walking down the platform, and suddenly I realize I'm holding on to this guy's staff. And it was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen in my life. It was amazing. I remember it's a dream, folks. I, I know some of you would be like, you know, Pastor, do you always have dreams like that? Actually, no. This is the only time in my life I've ever had a dream of this dimension that was this real, that was, that was uh, out of this world is the only way I can describe it. I sit down with the staff next to Chris. I'm showing it to her, and suddenly the speaker's standing in front of me, and I look up at the guy. He doesn't say anything to me. Uh, it's just dead silence, and I go to hand him his staff back, and this is what he says to me. Do you want that? And I remember telling him, these were the exact words, all my life, that's what I've wanted. And the guy said, you can have it then, but he didn't let me keep it or say it in a gentle manner He took the staff, raised it above his head, and smacked me with it. Absolutely hit me. Came down on my shoulder with it. Now, they say in a dream, you don't feel anything. I don't know if you've ever heard that or not. I'm going to refute that. This weekend, I felt something. I felt like fire had hit me. It it shocked me. It was like an electrical shock. And immediately, I wake up, and I know it's morning time. Right at twilight, I know that I've had a dream. It's a spiritual dream. I know God is saying something to me, but I don't have a clue what it means. So I jump up. Now, remember, I've been pursuing God. It's been a dry desert time. I'm so excited. God's saying something to me, but I don't know what it is. I need the interpretation. So I head down to our church. I actually lay on my face before God. I'm crying out to him. What does this mean? What could it possibly mean? And I hear nothing. Crickets, like I had been hearing. So I get up a little frustrated. I go down to my office. I tell my admin, listen, don't let anybody back in today. I'm really trying to hear from the Lord on a particular issue, and it's really important. Like 30 seconds later, my telephone rings. My admin says, there's a lady in our church who needs to see you, and she says it's an emergency. This woman happened to be well into her 80s. Uh, I mean, a stalwart prayer person of our church, just a, a matriarch. And because of who she was, I yielded to it. I let her come back in my office, and this is what she said. Pastor, 
Last night I had a dream about you, and I'm supposed to tell you, do you want to know what it is? Well, I mean, th this doesn't happen to me every day. In fact, this only happened once in my life. So, of course, I tell her, please tell me. She said, I saw the hand of God come out of heaven. His finger was pointing at you. He actually came down. His finger touched your chest. She said he began to stir, and you caught on fire. And she said, John, it burnt you to a crisp, but out of the ashes came a brand new man. And she said, I don't know what it means exactly, but God wants you to know he's got something new for you that he's doing. Well, she turns and she walks. Now I've got these two things that have happened that are supernatural. I'm super excited, but I'm not sure what the puzzle means. How do I put this together? So I still tell my admin. I call her back and I said, okay, that one was okay, but no more, okay? I'm really trying to hear from God. Maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes later, not that much time passes, the phone rings again. And she says, John, uh, it's a lady from Cheyenne, Wyoming. She happened to have a big ministry up there that she was over. And I had spoken for her years before, but I haven't talked to her now for probably two or three years. She said she is insisting on talking to you. She had a dream about you last night, and she said that you're supposed to hear about it. So, of course, I yield. I get the telephone. Uh, the lady's name is Diane Aggie. And uh, Diane says to me, John, uh, while I was sleeping last night, I had a dream, and it was about you. She said, do you want to know what it is? Well, what would you say? Of course I want to know what it is. And so just simply it went like this. She said that uh, in the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah receives his commission, there's an angel that takes a coal from the furnace where God sits and flew over to Isaiah and burned his lips. And from that point, if you know the Bible, Isaiah now has God's word inside of him. He becomes God's mouthpiece. He speaks for God. And she said, there was an angel that I saw that had a coal from God and he burned your lips, John. And she said, I could see the blistering. I could see the, just the, the, the outer response to what God had done. She said, but from that point, you had God's word in you, and it was a new word. So I've got these three things that have happened. I mean, can you imagine, has anything like this ever happened to you? It hadn't happened to me before or since, to be honest. It was amazing. I run back up to our prayer room. I lay on my face before God. God, what is it? What can it be? What can it possibly be? And in my head, the only thing that I hear is the Lord say to me, what do you know about staffs? Remember the original dream, the guy with the staff. I said, God, the only staff I know in Scripture was Moses' staff, and I know enough about the Bible to know that in the book of Exodus, Moses begins his ministry. So I flip quickly in my Bible to Exodus 1, 2, 3. It's Exodus chapter 4, where Moses is in front of the burning bush. When God sees that Moses takes the opportunity to listen... He tells Moses, I'm calling you to a particular people group to do my work to set them free. Moses then makes the argument, God, who am I? Why should they listen to me? I'm slow of speech. He tries to give all the excuses in the world to tell God why he's wrong about choosing him. And God just simply says this to him, Moses, what's in your hand? And it was Moses' staff. God asked Moses to lay his staff down in front of him. And those of you who remember the story, as soon as Moses lays the staff down... God begins to do miraculous things with it. And as long as Moses laid it down before the Lord, God could do miraculous things. But as soon as he picked it back up, it was a regular staff that was in his hand. And as soon as I saw that, I knew what the Lord was saying to me. The whole thing, all that was happening was the Lord telling me, the staff represents the authority that I've given to Moses to go to the people. Whenever he questions, 
who are, he's questioned, who are you and why are you doing this and who do you think you are? Moses can always point to the supernatural that happened that made this possible. And I knew the Lord said to me right then and there, I'm giving you my authority to leave this place, to go to another place, and to lead my people into freedom. It was the call to start a church. Now, that's important for this reason. Many churches are started, many good churches are started, but they're not started because God said to start them. They're not started because God gave a mandate to them. It is a mandate to start churches, but there's in particular unique authority when God tells you go to this people and do this job. That's why we're here. And when I think to myself about the success that we've had and why we have outpaced others or why we've been able to establish when others haven't or why, why I, I think that, to be honest, I feel like I'm not as smart as most of the guys starting churches today. And yet we see success sometimes in unparalleled ways. Why is that? I think it's because we have a unique, an unusual authority to be here that God willed us into place and that has jettisoned this church to the position that it is. And I believe that to be true let me just add this too, the name Jubilee. Why do we call ourselves that name? At the time that this all happened, I was preaching a series of messages on the year of Jubilee. And in that series of message, one of the things that the Lord told me right during that time is that once you start this church, the year of Jubilee was the time to recover and to discover the promises of God. And that's what the Lord told me this church would be, a place to recover and discover the promises of God. That's what the name Jubilee means. Last but not least... As we talk about all of these things, and I think about all that God has done in the last 18 years, if you were to say to me, Pastor, is there anything you would do different, anything that you would change, anything that you, you wish you had uh, uh, been better at, I would say the one thing that I would do different and that we need to do better is the connection in our church. I feel like what we add on a weekend, what we do for a weekend, I feel like it's really good. I feel like we've leveraged our ministries, we've done campuses, I feel like we have the best people in the world, both on staff and that attend our church. I love our church. When I was driving over to do this message, I thought to myself, I have my dream job. And how many people can say that about what they're doing? My dream job. I love what we are, and I love who we are, and I love what we do. But if there was one thing I would change, one thing that I would do different, one thing we have to do better, it would be the connection point in our church. A statement I made years and years ago, JFC is probably the most eclectic church in our area. It's made up of so many different people. We're non-denominational. We, we, we probably are the, the second or third largest Catholic church in the area, to be honest with you. I think some of that's my Catholic background. We attract people from mainline denominations. We attract charismatics. We attract Pentecostals. We attract people who have never known anything about God who find him in this place. And because of that, it's very eclectic. How do you move that eclectic group of people towards something. Well, I said years ago, here's the one thing we can all agree on. If you're going to go to JFC, we got to love Jesus and move towards that. And everybody says, amen. Okay, that's great. But the truth of the matter is, how do you move a group of people towards agreeing that it's all about Jesus? And I think that it happens in connection. Because even when I say we agree on Jesus, so many of us are at different places with Jesus. Some of us are just at a starting place. Some of us are at a place of investigation. Some of us are mature in that. We've walked with God a long time. But how do we move everybody towards the idea that we're connected in Christ? And that's what the body's supposed to be. Jointly fit together, Paul says. So that it's powerful. Every person playing a part. Everybody connected in a body. He even uses the idea that the toe can't say to the head, hey, we have no use of you or you have no use of me. The idea is that it's all necessary to make one. When I think about how we've done with that, to be honest, I'm not very proud 
of how we've done connections. So we made some choices in the last couple of years. Pastor Terry and Brenda are our connections pastor, and their job is to work on connection in all of our campuses, and they have been tireless in their effort trying to bring together organic small groups. Rather than just throwing people together, they've met and discipled people one-on-one. But can you imagine in a church of 3,500 people how long it takes to disciple one-on-one? Terry and Brent have worked tirelessly in that, doing exactly what I wanted them to do. But what I've asked them and the campus pastors and really all of the executive team to get together and agree on is how do we integrate this into our whole church? So I think we've put together something that will really work. It's not something where we just, uh, over the last two years, have thrown stuff against the wall to see what sticks. Because I don't think that works in church. God knows we've tried that too many times. Here's what I believe. We've been very intentional to pray, to ask God, and to receive from God, and then to, to refine what we think will be a connecting way for everybody in our church so we all move in the same direction toward Jesus. Again, our current model, we just don't think is working like we want, so we want to refine it a little bit. We want to do a little bit better. So I want to spend a few minutes talking about that with you. I want to talk about what this could look like in your life. Now, listen, before I begin, some of you that have been here a long time will say, uh, we're in, we're members, we're good, right? This isn't for us. Wrong. As much as I appreciate your, your connection to this church and your support, and your longevity. Here's the truth of the matter. This is for everybody. It would be for a person who comes here today for the very first time and says, I want to go forward. It would be for the person who's been with me 18 years, who loves this church, who loves us, who loves our vision. But you, you, listen, we've got to all do this together. So it's not me saying that what you've done so far is invalid. It's saying that we've got to all move towards something together. So I need you to understand, this isn't for just a section of our church. I want everybody in our church, including our pastors, including our elders, including our leaders, everyone, including new people, to do this as we move forward. All right, we're going to call this, you'll be able to see this as I'm teaching, we're going to call this our D-track, our disciple track. We're just not very creative when it comes to the terms, so it's going to be D1, D2, D3, D4, and we want everybody to go through it. It would work like this, that every month, except for the month of December, so that's 11 months of the year, January through November, once a week, we're going to do D1, the next week, D2, the next week, D3, the next week, D4. Now, you don't go through it 11 months, and please don't be overwhelmed right now. You'd only go through one month of it. But here's what we think. If you'll go through our program, we can move you from someone who just simply hears a message, who may be somewhat connected or not connected at all. We think we can move you along a process where we can make you an owner in this church and not just an attender in this church. I'm not against your attendance. We love that. We need that. We want that. But we want you to be an owner here too. We want you to take the responsibility that this is a church where it's not just watching pastors do a few things, but that we're all called together to move the body of Christ in the community. Folks, we've got a community that we've got to reach. And one or two, three, 10, 20, 50 people can't do that. But thousands can. We can make a great difference. So it's called the D-Track. It'll go once a month, every week of the month, other than December. We want all of you to take it. We want every one of you to be a part of it. So just real quickly, let me describe it this way. Week one, D1, Discover One, would just simply be discovering the vision and the values of JFC. 
We want you to be able to take it with you, to repeat it, to know it, and to make it your vision. If you sit here and you go, okay, Pastor, I know your dream, and I agree with your ministry. Why would I take it? Because we all need to do this together. This is fresh. This is new. And we want everybody at the same place at the same time moving forward. Let me pastor you for a minute, too. Especially if you're my age and you're sitting there thinking, why would I do this? Because I'm asking you to do it. Because you're part of a church, because it's important, because we think this is the will of God and how we move together, fit together as one. How we can put everybody together moving together. So you would do D1, and it's at every campus, not just one campus. All campuses will have the exact same format. Week two is D2. That's discovering how to connect and how to grow. Here's our wish for you. We want you here for a long period of time, but we want you to grow spiritually. It's important that those two things happen. We don't want you here for a month, two, even just a couple of years. And here's what you'll find. If you don't connect in a church, at some point, you will have a reason to drift away. It's hard enough to stay a long time in a church, even with connection. Without it, the devil will isolate you, and eventually you'll drift away. We don't want that. That's not what God wants. You're far more important to us than that. So D2 would then be how to discover connection and how to grow at this church. And then week three, D3, would be to discover your plan, your purpose, what God has for you, your giftings. We will be intentional with this. We will help you with this. We, we will cause you to discover it. And then D4 would simply be this. Once we know what your gifts, your talents, your call, the thing that God has put in your heart, then we want to connect you to the idea of how you as a member in this church apply your gift. We don't want you just to sit in a chair and just listen. We want you to do, to be a part of. And there are so many things that in this church we need you for. It's taking ownership at that point. There's actually a challenge at the end of it to help you. It's not enough just to go through it. I don't want you to think linear like I start at one, I end up at four, and then it's just like a conveyor belt where I fall off. It's actually a wheel that keeps going around. Go through the four and then go back and help other people figure out how to connect here, how to find out who they are and what their gifts are, and then bring them into ministry with you. As I sit here and I think about this, all of the people through all of the years who have helped us and have been a part of this, I know you might be sitting there thinking, Pastor, we're bought in. We, why, why, why do we need to take four weeks to learn how to do this all over? This is different than anything we've ever done before. It's more important than anything we've ever done before. It's more critical to the life of this church than anything we've ever done before. Now, along with D1, D2, D3, D4, there would be a couple of options that could come out of that. If you're a new believer... And you're like, I'm not sure I'm ready to do ministry. Okay, so out of that would come a class where you're able to, it's called discoveries. And in discoveries, you would spend the next eight weeks in a small group learning more about your faith. So you would have that option right there. And perhaps you're saying, okay, maybe there's some other things that I need out of that, like some ministry vocation. Or, or, or maybe uh, uh, I'd like to become part of a small, all of these things are going to come out of our D-track, all small groups. All ministry opportunities, all, all presentation for, for moving forward in the future, all are going to come through our discoveries process, our, our D-track. I want you to pay attention. Okay, so let me say this. We want everyone to do this so that longevity and spiritual growth is the outcome. We need everyone to buy in, our regulars and our new people. I'm asking you as pastor. Lone Tree, hear me on this. Lakewood. Hear me on this. Highlands Ranch, 
hear me on this issue. Castle Rock, listen to me. And most importantly, those who listen online, we call you a campus. I would say to you my greatest struggle right now, when I think about standing before the Lord and answering for how I pastored this church, I always think when he asks me about the online campus, what I will say, in my heart is this, I'm providing uh, an opportunity for those who can't be here to be able to hear the word of God and to grow. But in reality, I know this. It is not God's will that you simply sit in front of a computer, hear a message, and grow spiritually. God wants you connected. You are not growing in the, in the way that God wants you to grow spiritually if all you do is hear a message. You've got to connect to a body. And while I agree it's a viable way, and probably the church, as we go towards the future, has to learn how to grow in this area, we also have to figure ways for you to connect. I want even those of you who watch via remotely, who live in the state and who can participate in this, you need to go through our D-Track. Hear me on this issue. I'm asking you as pastor, as leader, if you see me as pastor, and if this church is a spiritual covering in your life, I'm asking you to do this. We must close the gap between affiliation and connection. We have too many people affiliated, but not in truth connected to our church. Let's call it what it is. Let's make a difference. This church is a mandate to me. It's what I feel like is the legacy that I've got to create in our church is this connection. All right, what would you do next? Let's say that you'll hear me right now. Some of you are excited about it. Some of you reluctantly may move. What, what would be the issue that I would want you to do next? Okay, starting in January, that'll begin the first of the D-track. So D1 is the first week of January. D2, second. D3, third. D3, D4, fourth. And then it'll start all over again in February. What if you can't join until the middle of February? The middle, fine. Start where, go to D2. Go to D3 and just make yourself all the way around. You don't have to go one through four. You can go two, three, uh, four, one. Do it like, however, we want you to compete and go through, I'm sorry, complete and go through all four of those classes so that you can become a part. And then at the end of it, we feel like, as again, rather than you're just done, you went linear, that we can make it a circular thing where now you're connected and you can help other people do that. Church, this is what God is calling the church to be, a connecting point, an entire body, something that's more than just what do I get out of it, but what can I give to it? How can I be a part of it and how can I make this happen? Let me just close with this. Years and years ago, I heard an illustration that's just stuck with me from that point on. Some of you have heard me use it before and just indulge me for a minute. It's a college professor who with his freshman incoming class does an illustration to teach them a principle of life that is so important. Remember that freshman year, that first overwhelming uh, week of school when so much is going on and you're wondering how you're going to do it all and how you're going to make it all happen. This guy, this professor speaks to that. So he sits his class down and he's got two great big three-gallon glass jars in front of him. And he just simply says to the student, are these jars empty or full? And the students tell him, of course, they're empty. So he takes great big rocks and he fills up the jars with the rocks to the top. Then he asks the student, are the jars empty or full? And the students tell him they're full. So the professor takes gravel, pours it in, and the gravel filters around the big rocks and he fills it up to the top. And so the professor now asks the students, are the jars full? And they say, well, now they're even fuller. And then he takes water and being smaller molecular structure, water can make its way around the gravel and around the sand and he fills it to the top with water. And he asks the students, now are these glasses full? The students say, yes, now there really is not a room 
for anything else inside the jar. So the professor says, what does it mean? What does it represent? And somebody in the class, thinking the opposite of what the professor wanted, answered this way. It means as long as you have a little more room in your life, you can do one more thing. The professor looked at him and said, no, that's wrong. It's not the right idea here. That's not what I'm trying to teach you. That's not what it's about. The professor said, here's the important issue. If you don't get the big things in first, it's really hard to do it later on after life gets going. I listened to that and I thought, man, that is so true and it's so right. The problem with it is it almost makes a statement like, if you didn't do it in the beginning, how would you do it now? And I know some of you are looking at me going, how are we going to do this right now? I, I don't have time and I, I, I just can't even picture it. I remember just holding on to that thinking how important it is to get the big things in first. But man, I, I'm 52. How many things in my life, how many things are established in this church? And I remember asking the Lord, God, if I could go back and do it again, I would have put this big thing of connection in before I did anything else. And I had a picture in my head where I just saw those big jars turned upside down and everything dumped out of them, turn them right side up again, they're empty, start all over. Here's what I felt like the Lord said to me, it's never too late to put the big things in. Start fresh when you have the opportunity. That's what this is. It's a fresh start. It's a new place of beginning. It's a time to do something right that we haven't done before. Let's get this as a part of who we are, our DNA. If you go to JFC, if you call yourself a, a, a Jubie, for lack of a better word, this is what we want you to do, man. We want you to be a part of this right here. This is what God's calling us to. You're going to hear me talk about this almost every week. I may even drive you crazy with it, but I don't want to drive you away. I want to bring you to a connecting point where God can do something really awesome with you. I'm praying that this is our focus for 2016. Folks, this is our mandate and what we need to do. Hear me again, every one of you, regardless of your age, regardless of your participation rate right now, I bless those of you who have helped me, but I also encourage those of you who are just new to it, let's all get on the same page and walk towards this idea of connection in our church, something that's greater as a whole than we are as individuals feel like the Lord's blessing is all over this. Okay, enough of that. Let me pray, and I'll let you guys get out of here for this weekend. So, Lord, we love you. And we bless you. We thank you, Father God, for just your faithfulness to us. God, for speaking to us and for helping us, even in the middle of our lives right now. Maybe it's a great testimony that regardless of where we are in life, God is able to speak to us and help us get things in our life that we may not have in there in the right order. Some people, Lord very much are like those glass jars and they feel very full right now. They don't know how in the world they would add this. I would ask you to allow the Lord to order properly what should be first and foremost in your life and that's serving him and doing what he says and then we put the other things in. Get this thing in. Make a commitment to it. If you need to pray about it, pray about it. But if you'll let me pastor you, hear me. This is a wonderful opportunity for us to do something that the Bible calls us to and to make this church greater than it is in its current condition. As good as it is, it can be greater. Lord, we bless that. We bless the work of your hands and all you want to do. And I pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, church.